We learned early on that if we were clever enough, we could think our way out of any problem. Figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. And fast. And if we figure it out faster than the competition, whomever that is, whether it's our siblings, our fellow students, the bullies down the street who want to kick our asses, if we figure it out, we'll feel safe, we'll feel love, we'll feel belonging. Everything will be all right. It's, it's the curse of the high achiever. Because then there's this funny phenomena, which is we start to experience success and there's an emptiness that comes with it. Because we haven't peeled our own image from the mirror. We haven't welcomed again the stranger who has loved us all of our lives. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. It was a horrible, sad, and shocking day. And it happened there right in front of everyone for all to see. When I was five years old, I watched my friend Daniel get fired. And for reasons that remain unknown, Jason, who I guess was the leader, had decided it was time for young Daniel, and he laid down his decision. You were fired. We all knew what these words meant, and they had dire consequences. Daniel was cast from the group. I can still recall the lump in my throat as I watched it all happen, and the deep fear that I was undoubtedly next. I withdrew in seek of safety. If only he doesn't see me, he won't fire me, and I can stay. That story, especially as a parent, is pretty funny. Why were five-year-olds playing some kind of game where others were fired? How do we even know what firing meant, and why does it still linger for me? And yet there's a big life lesson there for five-year-old Dan. Be quiet and hidden, and you'll remain safe. Speak up, make a scene, you're booted from the tribe. In a sense, the ticket to belonging was to minimize yourself and quiet your voice. And I learned a related lesson, too. Belonging is earned by what you do and not who you are. That was a pivotal lesson in young Dan's life, and one that was critical for his survival, until my daughter was born. Jerry often says on the podcast that as human beings, we seek three key things. Safety, love, and belonging. For me... Those three things were never granted or given. They had always had to be earned. And then my daughter was born. The moment I held newborn Emmeline, it was immediately clear she belonged. She didn't have to do anything. She didn't have to be anything. She was just here, and she had a right to be here. And I had to wonder, if that was true for her, my newborn daughter, could it be true for me too? Audie was a brilliant student, became a doctor, had two successful medical device company exits, and is now a VC along with his wife, Mariella, at Messiah Ventures. Having just moved to the United States less than a year ago with his family, he's feeling familiar doubts of belonging, trying to break into new circles and building a new venture fund. In this conversation, Jerry and Audie discover and speak to the little boy within him, 
The boy who was willing to sacrifice himself, smoking more than two packs a day while building medical devices that saved the lives of others. This boy's hope was that perhaps in saving others, he too can belong. But what if that isn't the only way? What if there's another way the boy can find his belonging that doesn't require his own demise? And what if the answer lies in the father the boy has become? Enjoy. Are you in the midst of a major life change and feeling alone in that quagmire of feelings? Are you longing for more meaning in your personal or professional life? Or are you already in the midst of the turmoil and excitement of a business or role transition? Join Reboot's guides, Jim Marsden and Jade Shear, this September 18th through 26th for a one-of-a-kind eight-day adventure in Telluride, Colorado, a Reboot Quest. You'll emerge with more clarity and more you. Learn more at reboot.io slash quest. Hey, Eddie, how are you? It's good to see you again. Good to see you, Jerry. So happy to be here today. Yeah. Um, why don't we start by uh, you just taking a minute and introduce yourself. And uh, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce your last name. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> Mashiach. Um, it means Messiah, actually. I thought it did. I thought yeah, it did. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm a husband to Mirella and a father to Maya. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur for over 12 years now. I I went to computer science and mathematics when I was 16. And when I graduated, I realized that, you know, I'd rather change people's lives. So I went to med school when I was 19. And after graduating, I realized that I'm helping one person at a time and I wanted to scale up. So I became an entrepreneur. I did two medical device companies. Uh, they were successful companies. I exited both of them and I wanted to scale up again. I didn't want to do one company at a time. I wanted to do several companies. So together with um, my partner in life and business, I co-founded Messia Ventures. Uh, Messia is a VC that actively launches healthcare companies. We're focused on solving big challenges by creatively combining diverse building blocks. So we're bringing together technologies and people to create a portfolio of impactful companies. Uh, we moved to the stage six months ago from Israel. So I'm going to jump in. And uh, first of all, I'm going to say, what a slacker you are. Thank you. Right? <laughs> An entrepreneur at 16, uh, med school at 19 two successful exits so why are you here and maybe we can start with there's this moment and i'll take you back to what was it january or february 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 uh, i was at the mit vc conference i was i took my shoes off as is my want and i gave a talk and I think it was a little bit of a different talk. And as I recall, uh, as is often the case after someone leaves a stage at a conference, um, there's a little crowd of people standing around and um, talking, you know, wanting, wanting to talk to the speaker. And the introvert in me is always like, whoa, right? Like where are the yeah. exits, right? But then there's this tall fellow 
with glasses who says to me, I want to make a difference in the world. And in my, in that moment for me, the kind of, um, the room went away and you and I were there. Do you yeah. remember that moment? Yeah. I didn't feel pressure of time conveying a message over one of that. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I remember there was a, there was this moment where uh, you, you were not trying to pitch me. You know, I often talk about, uh, remember those, those 12 inch dolls that we had as kids, right? You pull the string on the back and then they would say the thing. Mm-hmm. And I can't stand that. And you just went right to it. And, and tell me again what it was that you were asking me about. Um, first of all, I was not thinking at all at that moment. It was one of those rare moments that your heart speaks and not your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told you, you were talking, you, you gave this uh, story about, uh, the Chinese pottery maker, mm-hmm. um, that went into the fire and became the glaze. And, and I told you, I, I went to do the fire twice and I became the glaze and I don't want to be the glaze anymore. I don't want to be, I don't want to have anybody else be a glaze for me. Mm-hmm. I want to help others make exquisite glaze, but not going into the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to change the world. You know, it's, I realized in the process of many years and only recently, I guess weeks before we met, I admitted to myself, this is, this is who I am. This is what I can do. This is my strength. This is my passion. I, I want to touch as many lives as I can and help them. And you want to do that as a VC? I want to do that as a VC. I actually, I didn't wake up one morning and said, I want to do a VC. I said, I want to do all of things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit unusual. And, you know, people try to fit you into boxes. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted to, to make things easier for them, uh, whether that was a good decision or not. I don't know. We can talk about it today. But I want to make it easier for them. The easiest structure that um, people understand that can do something like creating several companies at the same time is a VC. And they get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just want to pause and just honor that. And, and uh, there's... Uh... I'm starting to get a sense of a theme in your life. Uh, and I've got a whole bunch of curious questions I'm holding right now, but I'm going to actually hold on to them actually and ask what would be helpful for you in this moment to discuss? Um, yeah, it's not easy. Um, moving into a different, into a new country and breaking in into uh, a new circle, the BC circle. Um, and that resonates to challenges I had over the years. Uh, it's otherness and sense of belonging. Um, 
recognizing that I'm different, uh, my strength make me my strength make, makes me different, um, and and this urge of of belong of feeling belong to to be to to belong to to others to to be a part of I don't know a group. Um, in in a way, letting go of that. In order to realize your true strengths, you you need to really let go of that. At the same time, people try to fit you into boxes. And I don't I don't fit. Mm. And whether I I have to make a choice. You know, I'm I'm a lot of I'm a lot of I have a lot of faces. I'm the entrepreneur. I'm the CEO, investor, inventor, strategist, whatnot. Husband, and father. Husband, father, son, son, God bless, God bless, um, you know, and, and they, and, and I don't know whether I should fit myself into a box so I will be understood. Not everybody gets me the way you got me, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have these conversations so often. Mm-hmm. People try to fit me into a box. They also not always understand, you know, the concept of the business. They want, they want to fit that into a box as well. Mm-hmm. And it makes it harder to break into, you know, the VC circle and so on. So can we go there? Yeah. So let's just slow down even further. Yeah. Yeah. One of the beautiful things about just pausing and taking that breath is that we allow our body to reset itself and just sort of settle in. And so what I'm hearing and I want to reflect back is um, there's a young boy I know who wants to fit in, who always wanted to fit in, didn't he? And he used his ability to study, his ability to understand the world in a particular way, to achieve, to create a sense of identity, didn't he? So I'm 19 and I'm in middle school. And yet there's a sense of otherness that kind of of hangs over him. And he... And he strives for a kind of success. And he meets a woman that he falls in love with. And they create a family. And he remembers his parents, God bless. And he holds on to them. And one day he finds himself in kind of the the belly of one of the beasts, Cambridge, Massachusetts, right? And he's at a VC conference. And he says to himself before he signs up for the VC conference, I'm going to go there and I'm going to learn how to belong to that tribe that seems so closed and unavailable to him. Yeah. Am I naming it? Yeah. Nailing it. Yeah. And I just want to note that there's a kind of beautiful flushness to your face right now. Yeah. Yeah. And he wishes to be seen, but he worries about whether what happens if he is, in fact, seen. He wants to belong, 
but he worries about whether or not he will belong. And he wants to use this because he knows that there's something powerful in here. He wants to use this to, to in the one, on the one hand, create a means by which others can realize their dreams of changing the world, of helping the world, but also to create a sense of belonging for them. And yet the fears rise up. And then he meets this crazy Italian-American from Brooklyn who's walking around without shoes, cursing up the storm, driving the people at MIT crazy, who looks him in the eyes and says, how are you? And listens back. And listens. Am I seeing you now? Crystal clear. Yeah. So um, I'm going to read a poem to you, and then we'll talk about your issue. This is by the recently departed Derek Walcott. The poem is called Love After Love. Love After Love. The time will come when, with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door in your own mirror and each will smile at the other's welcome and say sit here eat you will love again the stranger who was yourself you will love again the stranger who was yourself give wine give bread give back your heart to itself to the stranger who has loved you all your life whom you ignored for another who knows you by heart take down the love letters from the bookshelf the photographs the desperate notes peel your own image from the mirror sit feast on your life love after love by Derek Walcott. Thank you, Jerry. You are welcome, my friend. That poem occurred to me because behind everything is a wish for you to belong and to love the stranger who has loved you all your life. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. It's... uh... It took it took me a lot of years to recognize that there is a stranger and and letting that stranger love you and you love that stranger back. Mm-hmm. Um, in 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 some point, you know, you want to feel belong and you want to feel like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So you shut down, you shut off, you turn off parts of you. The powerful parts of you, those that make you unique in order to fit. And and you're not, you know, you're not being true to yourself. You have to peel yourself off the mirror. That's right. That's right. And the irony is that in doing that, and you said it so well, in doing that, you access a power of identity that is deeper than what our intellect has driven us. 
See, this in some ways is the curse of the high achievers. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? We learned early on that if we were clever enough, we could think our way out of any problem. Any problem. Any problem. I'm a smart person. I should figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. And fast. And fast. And if we figure it out faster than the competition, whomever that is, whether it's our siblings, our fellow students, the bullies down the street who want to kick our asses, if we figure it out, we'll feel safe, we'll feel love, we'll feel belonging. Everything so we tell will ourselves, be all right. everything will be all right. It's, it's the curse of the high achiever. Because then there's this funny phenomena, which is we start to experience success and there's an emptiness that comes with it. Because we haven't peeled our own image from the mirror. We haven't welcomed again the stranger who has loved us all of our lives. Yeah, you're trying to dodge that process and you don't want to face yeah. who is under that peel. Yeah. And you will never be true to yourself and you'll never be yeah. happy and you never feel the way you want to feel. Yeah. At peace. At peace. At peace. So... Uh, you know, I feel like I'm talking to somebody who's come to at least two of our boot camps already. Uh, <laughs> so you are a fast learner. <laughs> Thank you. So connect this back to this wish to, to, to create this new kind of enterprise for you. It's called Messiah. Messiah. Messiah Ventures. Yeah, it's actually, you know, it's me and my, my we are two co-founders, my wife and I. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife is from Romania. And we came back from Japan and we're thinking about how to call this. And I was into Japanese culture stuff. She said, no, we, you should be true to yourself. And we took my last name, Mashiach in Hebrew, and we translated it to Romanian, Messiah, Messiah in the, the court pronunciation in, in Romania is Messiah. So there you have it, Messiah Ventures. Mm -hmm with a messianic mission to change the world. Yeah, and there's no there's no narcissistic complex in there. <laughs> actually actually not, you know, one one of the things I tell um, I started mentoring three startups and one of the things I'm telling them uh, know to put your ego next to you. Not in front of you, not behind you. Don't say you don't have it. Put it next to you. It's it deserves its place. Mm -hmm. But it shouldn't be in the driver's seat. I like that. I'm going to steal that line. I like that. Okay, you got it. Yeah. So, so given where it is and given where you've come from, what would be helpful as you as you undertake this process? My my sense is a, a concern not to end up in the fire again. A concern about sort of leading from this peaceful place. Of loving again the stranger. It, it's it's both. Uh, well, for for sure not to go into the fire again. Um, um, but I'll expand a little bit about the second thing you said. Um, I just met myself. 
And I don't want to lose that. I just realized who I am and what's my strength and what's my passion. A lot of, a lot of it is thanks to meeting the love of my life. Um, I heard you said in one of the podcasts, my wife felt, let me feel belong, Mm -hmm. safe and loved. Mm -hmm. And from that, from that place, I was able to look into myself, to peel a layer on the mirror and, and see who I am and be able to say, my passion is to change the world. But now I have to sell myself to build the business in a new country. Um, do I lose myself again? Do I make myself describe myself as the glaze they want to buy and, the, and lose that stranger, lose who I met? How do I do that? How do I communicate who I am, my, my difference, my otherness? How do I make others see this as an advantage enough for them to say, you know, I'm going to back this guy. Okay. So what a beautiful, extraordinary question. And um, I'm going to point out something that you just said, which was put your ego to the side, not behind you. What do you mean about putting your ego to the side? For me, it means that you don't let, you know, your uh, narcissist feelings get over you. Right. It's. But so then why not just wipe them out altogether? Because you need it. It's part of you. Oh, so you mean this negative thing. Right. Negative is a funny term. This negative thing you advise startup CEOs and founders, this negative thing, which their impulse, the politically correct impulse would be put it behind you. You say put it to your side because it's a fundamental part of you. Am I seeing that right? You're seeing that correctly. Yes. All right. Now let's hold that image for a moment and let's go back to your question. How do I fundraise? How do I sell myself? How do I sell this vision when part and parcel of who I am, these are my words, not yours, but part and parcel of who I am is a fear of not belonging? That's the question, Jerry. I don't have the answer. Right. But actually you do, my friend. Because the part of you, there's a part of you that worries about not belonging. And I started to go down this path before, and you kind of got a little startled when I recalled that little boy who felt that he didn't belong. Do you remember that boy? Yeah. How old is he? Eight, seven, eight. Okay, and... How did third grade? Third grade. Tell me the story. Third grade. Third grade. Um, moved from a different city. New group of kids. Um, you know, they. Twas that year they did some. You know, the test. They want to single out the potentials, mm. the bright ones. 
Mm-hmm. And, and you're singled out. So you're the new kid from out of town, and there is also a test. Mm-hmm. That should, you know, people, that it's a gift, and people should be, you know, people are, are happy to get that gift or the envy or whatever, but mm-hmm. you send the, the new kid that is singled out. And you just want to have, you know, new friends. You just want to blend in. Yeah. You don't want to stand out. Even though mom and dad are super proud that you test at the high end of the score, right? Uh, actually, they didn't care. They didn't they, care. Even better. We love you. We love we you love anyway. You anyway. You do whatever you want with your life. But the school singles you out and you are now different. Yeah. And what was the fear then? What was the fear then? That they that they won't understand me, that I have expectations that I need to meet, and I met them, you know, little step by step, not overachieving, not underachieving, just doing, you know, the what I'm expected at the level I am. Um, but there was also, you know, I never thought about it. There was also a fear of losing that singled out status like mm-hmm. I don't want I don't want to be too special because then I won't fit in but I also don't want to lose my special status that's right both feelings I forgot about that oh yeah <sighs> I yeah. totally forgot about it yeah stay with this Stay with this stranger who has loved you all of his life, who's looked up to you and said, Adi, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. As you go out into the market, into the world, and you try to sell your specialness, as you struggle with whether or not they will see you and understand you, and understand that you're trying to do something different with this venture firm. I want to belong to this clubby world of American VC, but I don't want to lose, I want to fit in, but I don't want to lose my specialness. Do you hear that little boy again? Yeah. And what do I do? How do I balance between these two? Right. Right. Now go back. How do I balance between these two? What do I do? What do I do with the little boy? Let's call him. Do I put him in front or do I put him in back? Where do we put the seven-year-old boy? Next to me. He wants to be next to me. Right next to you. Yeah. Just as you advise young startup executives that their drive, their ambition, which negatively can be expressed or it can be expressed negatively as a kind of narcissistic impulse and lead one to lose oneself into the fire, it, it of itself is not a bad thing. That little boy is not bad. That little boy is just a little boy who wants love, safety, and belonging. And part of feeling loved is understanding his unique specialness. 
not pushing it too far forward, not throwing it into the back, into the shadow of your own existence, where you know what he's going to do, my friend? He's going to stand behind you and kick your ass until you pay attention to him. Yeah. He's going to say he's going to get madder and angrier and angrier. And he's going to say to you, what about me? Oh, yeah. Yeah. One, at one point, I, you know, you said that and I was thinking my first company, it was so it was so behind me. I started chain smoking. I smoked two and a half packs a day. I barely climbed the stairs. And now I realize it's, it's that boy kicking my ass. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm here. Hey, I'm here. Don't forget about me. Yeah. Do you hear the irony of the doctor chain smoking, building medical devices to save other people? Yes. <laughs> Whose life do you need to save but the, but if not that little boy? Yeah, but that little boy will save others and he will be lost. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That little boy is the source of your creativity, your generosity, your anger, your frustration, your joy, your capacity to love. It is not the prodigious intellect, no matter how fucking smart you are. It's that little boy. That little boy likes to help others. He has a big heart. Yes, he does. He has a big heart and he wants to help others. And he just wants to do that all day long and and help as much as he can. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was that little boy that I encountered at the MITVC conference. Could be. I don't know. It's, it, it wasn't the guy that thinks and prepares in advance and reads your bio and think about uh, <laughs> what will be the best pitch. <laughs> you know... I forgot everything I, I read about you. I, it was just that person that went on stage and mm-hmm. spoke words that went like arrows mm-hmm. straight in. You know who that person was? That was my little boy. Wow. That was my true self. I'm not going to lie and say that I'm always occupying my true self. I struggle with that. It's a daily practice. But, I, you know, I'm remembering a funny moment that happened to me this past summer. Brad Feld and I were doing a talk in Denver on uh, depression and entrepreneurship and the struggles and that sort of thing. And I was... Uh, I showed up there and I, 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 you know, I was struggling with the fact that everybody knows Brad, right? So even Jerry, 
You know, I have my ego and I'm like, mm, nobody's paying attention to me, you know. And uh, um, I'm walking around and I'm online for iced tea or something and uh, I'm wearing a name tag. It's got my name. And uh, there's a guy in front of me helping himself to some tea. And I said, what the hell am I going to play? So I lean over and I say, hey, who's this guy, Jerry Colonna? I mean, I hear he's like kind of weird. He just makes people cry and all this shit. And he looks up and he turns to engage me. And then he sees my name tag and he just starts laughing. And he said, and so then he pause and we start laughing. And he says, you know, you're just like that guy on the podcast. I said, that's funny because I am that guy on the podcast. <laughs> and that's what I strive to be. Just that guy, that mess of a guy, that guy who, you know, when I was in seventh grade and I changed schools and I showed up in a new school from one part of Brooklyn to another part of Brooklyn and I was scared because I wanted to fit in and I found out later from the guys who ended up being really close friends of mine that the teachers had made a big deal out of me showing up because I had straight A's, except for one failing grade in second grade with a bad mark in, in penmanship. And they had planned to kick my ass because I was so smart. They wanted to beat me up. And apparently within two days, they had stopped trying to beat me up because they liked me. And I never knew that until after the fact. And when you were telling your story, I remembered that boy. And I brought him forward and I sat him next to me. I have no doubt that you will figure out how to complete the fundraising and how to create a pitch and how to answer all the questions that you're holding about this new fund. And I have no doubt that you're going to be a great investor. My advice is to make sure that that little boy is right by your side. How do you make sure he behaves? When he was behind me, he was kicking. Mm -hmm. When he was in front, he was running. Mm -hmm. How old are your children? Uh, I have one daughter a year and a half. Okay. So you're asking, in effect, a parenting question. Yeah. You know how you help children behave? You love them. You love the shit out of them. You don't accept all behavior. You create conditions in which they can feel safe by giving them structure and limitations. But you love the crap out of them. So you do that for your daughter. You do that for the little boy. She, she just listens. Mm. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm crazy about her. I'm, yeah, I know you are. I'm super crazy about her. Oh, there she is. She's gorgeous. Yeah, I know. Beautiful. And she knows how to play daddy. Oh, she will for the rest of her life. Yeah. And daddy loves it. Yeah. Uh, but she just listens, you know. 
and maybe that that little boy will listen too. Well, and and I'll give you a very tactical piece of advice. Please. You have a uh, life partner in your wife who is your business partner as well. One of the gorgeous gifts you can give to to each other is to uh, allow the other to reflect to you what they see. And so if you have a conversation with her after this and you say to her something like, hey, listen, I just want to bring your attention. And by the way, could you kick my butt so he doesn't have to? That's a great idea. (laughs) What What if our relationships weren't merely about this sort of external thing, but what if we come together in relationship to help each other grow? to help each other through that passage. That's the Buddhist perspective of relationship. That we come together so that we have the other with whom we can work. Well, I strongly believe that the two of us aren't together, not by chance. Right. I say to her, we're one in six billion. It, it, we, we got married in our late 30s, mm-hmm. um, and we both say it's, it's because we wandered around the world, and this is the match, and it's there so we will grow up together. Yeah. So articulate it. Give it to each other as a challenge. I want to thank you for coming on the show and showing up with your big heart. It's a really big, beautiful heart. And I'm super excited to have you in my life, um, to know that uh, you're out there and you're approaching this process of being an investor from this place of your own brokenness, your own beautiful brokenness. Um, as I said before, I have no doubts about you as an investor. Thank you. And Jerry, thank you for, for showing me myself mm. and reminding me who I forgot I was. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. If you enjoyed this episode... Go to reboot.io slash podcasts to listen to all three seasons of our podcast conversations. And leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash sign up so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. My name is John Prendergast. I am CEO of Blue Leaf. 
I was doing some research on CEO peer groups, found an article on Reboot, and it's been great. So real relationships that were built. And then we wound up having extemporaneous conversations. And, you know, it's been incredibly supportive. It's really helped with insights into me as a, as a leader and helped with insights in my business that I wasn't expecting. Want to experience more conversations like these in your life? Consider joining a Reboot Circle. Our Circle's participants have called their circle their secret weapon. You'll gain more self-awareness, and you'll know you're not alone in the challenges you face day to day. You'll find the same level of self-inquiry in a coach-facilitated cohort with six other leaders just like you. Apply at reboot.io circles.